0: Hey guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify podcast. And today, I thought it would be a very good time to bring up something I've been thinking about for a while. And it's none other than Saturday morning cartoons. This was definitely a mainstay when I was really young, in the 80s and the early 90s. It obviously dwindled after that, but it's it's been it's it's one of those household names. It's a term we've all used or are all familiar with, whether it was you or your kids taking part in it. I don't personally have any siblings, but I imagine that if there wasn't some kind of Friday night sleepover with a friend, and yes, those things actually used to happen for those keeping score at home, you would have your siblings to watch this whole, you know, wonderful little Saturn Lord of the Rings ritual on Saturday to watch cartoons with advertisements. More on that to come in a second. So, who started this idea? What's behind it and what what led to its decline? And what decline did it lead to? These are the questions I'm going to get into today. And as based on the title, as you can see, Punctuality Perversion may have been a, a result of it due to our modern way that we take in things like TV shows in particular. Not movies so much, but TV shows, maybe movies too, and even things like video games. We'll get to all that. If you... Think this video would be great for somebody you know to watch that doesn't know my show? Tell them about it. It would make my day. I appreciate it so much. Like and subscribe, of course. Find me on Rockfriend and Patreon. And here we go. So when did it start and who started it? The big three, of course. ABC, NBC, CBS. In the mid-1960s, I definitely did not know it went back that far. I figured it had started in the 70s, and it was you know, primarily getting, getting its footing in the 80s, and then it kind of lasted through most of the 90s, until it started to decline. And the generally accepted time for this slot of entertainment was 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which I find very interesting, because growing up in Long Island, New York, that That was my spot. I was Eastern Standard Time. Did I grow up in the belly of the beast? According to the way things are now, maybe I did. Perhaps I did, indeed. But this was marketing to begin with, in a very Bernaysian kind of way. Not necessarily because of the shows, and the shows had plenty of propaganda to show. Plenty. And maybe more predictive programming than anything else. An inculcation of things that I have discussed on this show in detail. Outer space, dinosaurs, climate change, Captain Planet, right? Uh, If you're not sure, look it up. So, uh, until the late 70s, there were Sunday morning cartoons as well. I did not know that. And I'm very surprised to hear that, assuming that this is, of course, an American construct, because there was church. In the 80s and the early 90s, maybe until 94, 96, things were closed on Sundays. There's a few stores that still do it, but it's pretty rare where I came from for anything to be closed on any day of the week. Where I'm living now in Kentucky, yes, things are closed on Sunday more than not, but not the big box stores, obviously. But a lot of independent places are closed on Sunday. And maybe it's church, maybe it isn't. But it's just a tradition that's thankfully being held over in other parts of this country, which was a nice, refreshing surprise, actually. So they were just reruns of the Saturday stuff anyway, these Sunday morning cartoons. And knowing the the church culture and all this other stuff that goes on early Sunday, I'm still pretty surprised that was even a thing, but it didn't make it past the late 70s. So I certainly didn't have it when I was growing up. Any Sunday morning cartoons. The final non-EI cartoon, and we will discuss what EI means. That's E slash I. We'll discuss uh, what that means in a little bit. The final one, Saturday morning, aired in 2006. Kim Possible. I was certainly off of this stuff by then, so I knew of the show, but I never really saw it. And interestingly, it was the first show on network TV Produced by Walt Disney Television Animation and the first one shown in high def. Now we're getting a little closer to the, the meat of the things I want to discuss here. Why is high def important? What, what happened with high def? I've mentioned this several times, but I, I was my very first appearance on any show before I had it, before I had this show was on Crow 777. We discussed video games. And one of the important things I brought up and quickly, was that there was a transition to high-definition TVs exclusively. This happened in 2009. This was a law. No more broadcasting to CRT televisions, cathode ray tube, the old TVs that we used to have. No more of that, high-def only. And eventually, of course, these led to almost exclusively smart TVs that are listening to everything you do and are staring at your children as they are staring at those screens. By the way, um, that was the digital transition in the U.S. That's what it's called. And it demanded all full-power broadcasting of analog TV in the U.S. cease by June 12, 2009. This is reality. They actually cut off old TVs and said no more. So... Strangely enough, or perhaps not coincidentally, this whole high-def TV thing died at essentially the same time that um, the high-def TVs were being enforced in full. And I mean enforced. Saturday morning cartoons die, high-def
1: TV comes in. The days of this are no more. Now, what's good about it is exactly what you see.
0: Family time. Yes, it's a television, but at least there is a ritual involving family coming together for something. They're not surrounded they're not surrounding a hearth where they're they're making their dinner over the fire, they're telling stories. You know, times are changing. This is if you had a television back then. You can tell this is a little bit of a dated image here obviously. But it was a big deal. Everybody was... If you were a kid, you were probably involved in watching this stuff. Just a suggestion here. I can see Doug in the top left corner. Let's not even get into the Disney thing. I had mentioned Doug on an episode about 9-11, as a matter of fact. I found some surprising things in his first episode. Oh, man. And Lucas on the bottom of this one. The big G, Godzilla. If you saw my last episode, you know I'm going to be doing a big thing on him very, very, very soon. No surprise that he's sitting in this flyer here. I just some of the Saturday morning stuff throughout the times. Saturday morning megafun on CBS. And these companies have quite large associations, and we're going to actually discuss their logos in a little bit. Not their logos, but their logos. Because I think they're it's worth discussing for sure. So... What kind of advertisements were we getting? What did they want our kids seeing as the parents left them so that the TV could potentially be a babysitter for an hour or two while they did whatever they had to do, got their day started, planned, maybe? Nothing nefarious, especially back then. But they were primarily for toys and for breakfast cereals. Now, I know you're not surprised by that, but there is something refreshing coming to, to have counterbalanced this And, of course, it wasn't all roses, but good things came from um, this reality. Again, this is kind of a Bernaysian thing, where get the kids in front of the TV, now it's time to advertise to the kids. Some of these advertisements included, as a lot of you, I'm sure, may remember, 1-800 numbers, and toys that were actually from the show that you were watching. What kid would not want to have this, right? So, this tradition just kept pumping along, by the way, until groups like ACT, which is Actions for Children's Networks, they wanted more educational programming and less of these kinds of commercials, or none at all. They tried to actually get rid of commercials during these time slots. If you were promoting and advertising and having Saturday morning cartoons for kids, they were actually going to get rid of advertisements. That, of course, did not happen. But... Um, by 1978, there was a ban on any advertisements during these shows, like I said, and instead of this ban, we got from the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, we got the E Educational and Informative Act. It was called the Children's Television Act which required these channels to have three hours of educational programming per week. And no ads with telephone numbers and no ads with tie-in merchandise. In other words, you couldn't put a, a toy ad for your show during the slot of your show. No Ninja Turtle toys advertised during Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Fair enough. It's a simple simple request and I'm sure it was easy to take care of. I'm sure it didn't really affect sales that much. But it did affect how much advertisers wanted to pay for the primary slots. And what ended up happening is this automatically began the decline of the Saturday morning cartoon. This clearly had an effect. And one of the ways that they got around it, check this out, right? Here's the usual nonsense that this shouldn't, shouldn't be no surprise to anyone that watches this show, is that if it was a live-action show, let's say Saved by the Bell or something, it counted as EI programming, no matter what it was about, no matter whether or not it was educational and informative. If it wasn't a cartoon, it counted towards your three hours per week required of EI programming. So right away, nothing happened, actually. It really, they, they made their way around it. And the success was that they stopped showing these 800 numbers to kids And they started showing them in the afternoon anyway, because I remember tons of commercials with 800 numbers. Call now. Get your parents' permission before calling. Remember that stuff? Get your parents' permission. Like, (laughs) if you're watching TV alone and there's a telephone right next to you. So, thankfully I knew better, but I'm not even sure how, because the temptation was there, you know, from time to time. Also... I was already into video games. And a lot of these advertisements really weren't for video games, as a matter of fact. Video games didn't have heavy advertising. But they are going to factor into this conversation about the punctuality perversion that I want to really make the meat and potatoes of my, my argument or my thought here. And what I hope that you guys can comment on, no matter where you're watching this one, um, please do comment. And please do catch me on Rockfin. Catch me on my Patreon. Because there's going to be a lot of exclusives this year, and I'm adding to what I give my patrons as well, so hopefully that will be appealing for people that want to help support the show. And thank you. So another thing that was I found relatively surprising—I wouldn't say surprising—but I never, I definitely did not think of it, as far as leading, to, helping lead to the decline of the Saturday morning cartoon block was. The gradual legalization of the no-fault divorce in the U.S., of course, 70s and 80s, 1970s, 1980s, this led to parents having to trade their kids off more often because there were more divorces. Chances are the, you know, the losing parent, the one that got less time with the kids, would get them on the weekends. If you're grabbing your kids for the first time in five days on Saturday morning, You're probably not, and this is not the 2000s or the 2010s or 2020s even, so you're probably not going to grab them, throw them in front of a television and walk away. You probably can't wait to see them. And this helped actually lead to the decline of anyone watching the Saturday morning cartoons because the Nielsen um, system was still in place. And anyone not familiar with that is the Nielsen system is how they would monitor and see what families were watching what if they opted into the program. They would actually allow, this is before the internet, they would allow this Nielsen thing to see and and you know find out what channels you were clicking on at what times to get a better idea of when advertisers would want to spend the most money and stuff. So once they started letting the families use the thing themselves, I think that also had a factor where they weren't even sure if they were getting the right information. Bad information in, bad information out, right?
1: So You know, again, video games as well. So where does this factor in to my title? Now, picture this. You like a certain show. doesn't
0: matter what it is. I'm not even going to name any of the ones that they were. Let's say you just love a certain show. Let's say... You don't own the VHS set of that show. Let's say there is no internet or cell phones or tablets or anything of that nature, or really even a computer, because they just weren't popular yet, not for many households. You had a TV way before you had a computer. And let's just say that show is only on 8.30 a.m. once a week for a half hour every Saturday you're going to be sitting in front of that television, breakfast or not, at 8.30 a.m. You're going to wake up at 8.29 and jump in front of your television, turn the channel on and go. No remote control. Just, you gotta click. You gotta click the TV dial and move it to 4 or 3 or 2. Because those were the channels. ABC, NBC, CBS. Oh no, it was um, 247. Sorry. 247. So... Imagine that. Imagine the kind of punctuality created by this. This isn't school bus, where it's like, all right, I'll be there, I'll be waiting at the bus stop at 8, at 6 a.m., whenever it is, the sun's not even out yet.
1: Th- this is a good thing. This is a very good thing. If you lived that life as a kid, if you only had certain designated times to
0: play video games, If you shared those video games with five people at once and had to wait your turn if you lost, let's say, it was a competitive game, two people playing, loser leaves, winner stays. Winner stays, loser pays, it used to say in the arcades. Oh, man. This creates a sense of punctuality. You know what day of the week it is. You're not just floating in an endless stream of nothing, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, YouTube style, Netflix style. This is a good thing. This is the good part of this style of entertainment. There are good things to be mentioned. You can get a few good traits from playing video games. Screens are bad in general, but you can learn from them if it's your only way, right? Also, having phones is great. You can watch me on your phone, right? Look, this show is an anytime show. I don't, as of right now, I don't have a live every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, and I will, by the way. I know I've been saying it, but it's coming. Trust me. Third Eye Edify Live is coming. As of right now, this show is part of the part of, the, part of this problem, isn't it? Maybe you do have a certain time that you turn me on. Oh, that kind of sounds a bit weird, but maybe there's a certain time you watch whatever shows you watch. Maybe that's, you know, it's not, but the punctuality isn't required. With this, if you know that if you miss this show, you have to wait an entire week to get to the next one and you lose the arc of the story that continues every week. The punctuality was there. It was good. It was a good thing. Who cares about advertising? I wasn't even paying attention to half the advertisements. I was watching the shows. Now this went for movies too because a lot of people didn't own the VHS or the laser disc at the time of whatever show they wanted to watch. They didn't own it. If it was on WPIX 11 and, you know, Wednesday night at 7 p.m., then that's when you sat down to watch this movie together. As a family, very often. There are other things that could be shared, board games, puzzles, whatever. But there was a sense of family that came with this punctuality. And it's almost a sense of responsibility. Mom, we have the movie at 7, right? Yes, dear. That's cool. It's not bad. It's not the end of the world. But you have to be careful how you use these things, right? So where are we now?
1: We're in the streaming world now. TV is... dead. Unless you
0: must... Watch the New Year's Eve ball drop where you get to watch a bunch of rich losers wearing $10,000 jackets outside in the cold watching a ball drop in some strange ritual that you know you don't have to believe in.
1: That's probably ill-timed because we don't follow 13 cycles of the moon. Other than that, TV is dead. And if you are watching some
0: TV show, you're probably watching it on Hulu or whatever, right?
1: Paramount, Peacock. These are those same big three, by the way.
0: And before I discuss a little more, take a look at the logos. Let me just see a common trend in a few of them. NBC, the Peacock is here. Peacock streaming is NBC's. Streaming. The peacock feather all by itself actually being a representation of the third eye. Hey, there's, there's my show name reference.
1: Um, just ask Manly P. Hall. In um, his book, Man, the Grand Symbol of the Mysteries.
0: I recall, and by, th- by the way, how many colors are showing in this? How many colors are we getting here? Six. Not seven. We're supposed to see seven colors of the rainbow. There's only six here. There's a missing seventh color. This is an incomplete scale if we're talking about music. It's incomplete in a lot of ways, as a matter of fact. And I recall I was watching some wrestling event, you know, WWE as it's called now. And boy, is that stuff not necessarily for kids like it used to be, right? The announcer... And this is on, now, Peacock. If you have Peacock streaming, you get to watch any wrestling event that you'd like. Probably one of their main selling points, I'm sure. And the guy says, if you're watching this on the cock, that's how he says it. If you're watching this on the cock, the Peacock. Completely unnecessary and ridiculous. Anyway, here's CBS. The all-seeing eye. Very reminiscent of Hal, 9000, from 2001 A Space Odyssey, certainly brought that idea up a few times. But here's the all-seeing eye. The electric eye, if you ask Judas Priest. CBS, now Paramount. If you have Paramount+, Plus, you are supporting CBS. And I have brought up some of the Paramount shows that are supporting the whole binary transgender mutilation nonsense that's going on right now. Not the best company to like. Paramount is an interesting one too. 13 stars here.
1: It's almost as if. Wait, is this a different symbol now? Hold on. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17,
0: 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. There's more than 13. There used to be 13 here. If anyone knows any reason why I grabbed a newer Paramount symbol and it has more than 13 stars, please let me know. The mountain, the the peak of the mountain, the precipice, used to touch a 13th star in the top middle. I'm I'm 100% positive about this. Almost as if to say, you now we don't use 13 moon cycles, we use 12. Strangely enough, now, if anyone knows anything about this, please, I'm very curious, because I grabbed one that wasn't, I grabbed not the first one I saw. And the one I counted when I was grabbing this had 13. It's even in my notes here. I remember it quite well. Also, take a look at this a soon-to-come episode, by the way. Much like Disney and some other ones, this could be a firmament here.
1: Tower of Babel lifting its way to the heavens in the middle. Just something to think about. So Here's ABC. But once again, we're getting this singular circle used
0: in many television shows to grab your attention. A news broadcast to do it. This just in circle, hits you, boom, big red circle, bullseye, right? Aldebaran, Taurus, ABC, also Disney. If you have Disney in any way, or Hulu at this point, you are supporting ABC. All all of them have a B in them, by the way, which, interestingly enough, in the esoteric structure of the alphabet is claimed to be the very first letter, not A. So I thought that was interesting. All of these are three-letter acronyms. Missing the fourth, much like I was discussing in episode 51 with my good friend Meta Soundworks. Please do see that if you haven't. I think it's one of the most important episodes I've ever done. And it wasn't even my idea. Shout out to Meta Soundworks. Thank you for that. I thought it was amazing. Um, CBS is also, by the way, now take take a look at CBS. CBS is also Viacom, which you probably already know. It's also Gulf our wonderful little oil company friend. Golf having that circle again. Maybe potentially looking more like ABC than than CBS, but still, same thing. Now take a good look at this Viacom symbol. How do I look at these things? How do people that are better than me at this look at these things? Take a quick look at it. What are you seeing? What are you thinking? Good. Some of those were good thoughts. Now here's what I'm looking at. The V and the A with no bridge in them kind of what's in between them. That line could be the bridge for the A, right? To connect the two lines. The V and the A are the same exact image inverted. We got the inversion, no question. The M is, relatively speaking, a combination of those two. So they all just kind of cancel out into one thing. Let's just call it M. Maybe it's an upside-down W. The C is shown to be half of the O here. And the IO is the ankh as I described very thoroughly in episode 6, Spelling Bee. It's a very interesting combination of of things going on here.
1: Visual Audio Computer is Viacom, by the way. And who else is involved in our little thing here? Who is CBS? It's
0: Columbia Broadcasting Services. Columbia, Freya, another day of the week, right before Saturday, as a matter of fact. Call her what you will. This is the Statue of Liberty. And this goes very deep. And I also actually, for a very different reason, brought her up in episode six, Spelling Bee, an episode I certainly suggest you go back and check out.
1: Very interesting stuff popping up when I look at these logos here. But now that we've got a chance to quickly look at that,
0: What else has changed our punctuality? Now, this may not be hitting home as much for some of the viewers, but leave a comment. Let me know what you think about this, too. I, as a matter of fact, in my very first year of college, I wrote an ethnography, and it was about the arcade culture that I grew up with and knew so well. I witnessed the rituals. I took part in ritual gatherings. We would surround the arcade. We'd throw our token up when you know if there were four up there and I threw one up, I knew that I was going to be the fifth person in line to play this game. All kinds of weird rituals I saw. This one guy would always spit cuz um the the arcades were kind of lined up back to back in this in this big like half circle. So there was a space of wires in the middle of it all. He would always just Put his leg out, and sp- I don't. I do not even know who it was, but he was always there, and he had this this hat on that kind of made it hard to see his eyes. But he'd always spit right into the, you know, all these weird little rituals. I was younger overall, and I was winning a lot, so sometimes the older guys were a little upset, to be honest. This one time, the guy was like,
1: "You're not gonna win." And I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> just walked away. So. With
0: that came a different kind of punctuality. You didn't have to be there when the place opened. The arcade was always waiting for you.
1: But success
0: was more important. And here's why. If you, as I said earlier, winner stays, loser pays in the arcade world, right? Two people step up, they compete. Winner stays on to play the next person in line. Loser has to go back To the back of the line, and this is a fun time to discuss strategies and talk to people and stuff. It wasn't terrible, but at the same time, you want to be standing up there as long as possible. Get a big win streak, let's say, right? Or rack up points, whatever. So now you have to go to the back, think about how you lost, you can change your mind about strategies, come up with some new ideas, maybe come back stronger. This time off was crucial to actually growing. If you even want to consider this something you can have growth in, and at times there are games that actually do benefit the practicer of the fundamentals and stuff. Those things exist, by the way. (laughs) So nowadays, and I'm not talking about first-person shooters because that really wasn't an arcade thing. Yeah, there were games that had guns, but it was usually cooperative. Two people at once, four people at once shooting at the screen, you move on. You pay tons of money to beat that game because you always die, guaranteed. Um, So (laughs) nowadays, you play online, you play a competitive match one-on-one with somebody else who you don't even know who they are, just they could be anywhere in the world. Let's say you lose. You are still next in line. You go again. You don't get the feeling of loss. You only get the feeling of frustration, and you don't necessarily have time to reset your strategy. The, the thing is, is that you just keep going when you're online. You're not on any line. When you, lo- when you lost in a physical arcade, you would go to the back of the line, and then you'd be online to play next. That's a whole nother world. This is, you are just out there in the digital ether. You lose, you play again. You keep losing, you don't even improve. You don't get the chance. You have to turn the online off and go practice and come back. That doesn't happen when you're playing online. So it's another level of punctuality perversion. Now, where did this even go, right? Where, where, What does it even lead to? I'll tell you. Because I've been a manager of many retail places. Toy store and primarily a music store for a very long time. And yeah, post-COVID, but pre-COVID too. There seems to be a heavy, humongous decline in punctuality amongst employees. They just can't get there on time. They can't do it. This goes for other things, too. This goes for house parties. People showing up an hour late. Oh, where's all the food? We ate at four. I told you we were starting at four. You know, whatever. There's other things that come with this. This concept of, well, it'll just come to me. No need for punctuality. Universal basic income. Mail-in ballots. Decline of brick-and-mortar stores coming because of this. Does only the owner get to be on time and timely? There is a decline in punctuality. And I really do believe that streaming, things like YouTube, and the nature of the internet in general, the nature of shopping at home, whatever happened to that? What about the store opens from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m.? If you do not show up between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., the store is closed, and you have to wait till the next day that they are open, usually tomorrow, in order to get whatever it is that you were getting. Now, you could wake up in the middle of the night and buy something and go right back to sleep. This also removes a level of punctuality. What's left? Airplane times. Yeah, punctuality exists there, doesn't it? Um, I can't even think of anything else. How crazy is that? So having jobs, certain kinds of jobs, kind of like the one I have where I'm teaching people and we have a scheduled time. 3 to 3.30 is our lesson time. I'm there. And I'm that kind of guy. I've always been that kind of guy. It's not about the culture I came from either. It just is how I am. But maybe it is. Maybe there is some hidden part of my... the way I grew up with, you know, time slots for TV shows and video games that were you had to be physically present to play them and if you lost, you had to wait to play again. Maybe there is something to that. But there is a major decline in punctuality in this culture. And I'm sure there's a lot of other reasons... I can't tell you how many times, and I used to teach a lot of kids, you know, I mean over 40 a week, it's a lot. So I saw some things. What I saw was bed parenting, and it's easy to be critical when you're not there, I know. Sometimes they had to bring their fourth kid on time while they had three other kids to worry about, I know, but at least those people were usually very honest, and I knew ahead of time what the situation was, so it wasn't the worst thing, but... I did have another student in 30 minutes from that start time, so I couldn't give them extra time, right? And they understood. That's the nature of having a job or a business where you have appointments. That's how appointment-based things go. On the other hand, sometimes I would get kids walking in with Starbucks. I would have band rehearsals where the drummer would be very late with a cup of coffee from 7-Eleven. So when you're five minutes late and you're holding you, this coffee, was the five minutes, right? When you're walking ten minutes late into a lesson, oh, there was a big line at Starbucks. Like then you leave and you go drop your kid off, and then you go to Starbucks and you get your kid back in a half hour. Completely unnecessary. This, you know, I need this coffee world. It's it's another thing altogether. I think you know, I'm not pointing any fingers. There's no need for any of that. You know, we've all been kind of induced into this the nature of our culture. And yes, I do think that TV is some piece of it. Of course I do because I talk about it all the time. But there's more to it. There it removes this layer of personal responsibility for you and everything that that you may affect, whether it's your children, or your own business, or whatever. There seems to be this idea that it's not that big of a deal to be on time for every single thing that you do.
1: And that seems kind of... It's, it's a little crazy to me. I'm trying to
0: not, I, I'm, I'm almost beginning a brand new tangent. And at the same time, I'm trying not to get worked up about this because I grew up with this, you know, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I really did like being at a friend's house or having a friend over for the night. And then we'd wake up to Saturday morning cartoons and video games. Of course, not going to leave that out. But if it was a show we wanted to watch, this show took over. Why? Because the punctuality was required. 8.30 AM only for this show. Saturday. That's it. And then we could turn the game on whenever we wanted to and play it as much as we wanted to. Because video game systems did the same thing that streaming did for TV. You used to have to go to an arcade. Then the systems came out, now you can play this game at home anytime you'd like. It probably didn't look as good, you know, back in the day. But there's a factor. So as we can see, this whole thing was started with the concept of Let's advertise to these kids. Let's get them young, just like cigarette ads, right? Put them at eye level for kids. Now kids can watch whatever they want. They can watch, if, if allowed, a kid can watch an entire season of a show in one day. It almost, it almost destroys the whole idea of, of keeping that story alive and, and pushing it further and further it almost ruins the concept of how it's supposed to flow. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, it was kind of cool when it said, stay tuned um, to be continued next week. It was almost kind of cool. And this just done. These days are over. For better or for worse. But what we can start to do, I think, as a culture, consciously, is we can start to remove the streaming. Because the nature of that is the, you will own nothing and be
1: happy. And we don't want that. None of us want that. Recently, games and movies that had been
0: purchased on the PlayStation Store have been removed from the company Ubisoft, who was, you know, they had a lot of clout back in the day, a lot of games. They were a big company. Now, anything purchased of theirs That you had, you know, not physically, but, you know, downloaded into your system, ready to play any time. Hey, click of a button, right? It's gone now. No longer yours. But the money you spent to buy it is also still gone and not refunded, right? You, You bought it. It's not a contract, but it pretty much kind of feels like one, doesn't it? It feels like a contract. You bought this thing online. You download it. Now it's mine unless you can place it in your own personal hard drive. And it wouldn't be a video game at that point. That's it. It's up to them if you get to keep it or not. This is where we're going. This is the nature, the true nature of streaming services and things like Amazon, Disney, blah, blah, blah. This is the true nature of it. They want you to like this, so that way when it's time, you don't have anything left to like
1: except what they tell you. It's kind of like the news, right? Just what they tell you.
0: Speaking of which, I have news articles at the Third Eye Edify website. Please join my mailing list to stay up to date on things of that nature. And one of the new perks I'm going to have at Patreon is I'm going to have an exclusive news article once a month. Spicy stuff, I assure you. So... Hopefully that is, helps attract people to it. And what I also offer there, once a season, every three months, I'm going to be offering a free piece of Third Eye Edify merchandise. Could be my book, could be a shirt, coffee mug, who knows. But I, And finally, of course, on Patreon, I will be offering all of my exclusive episodes. Now, you can get a full Rockfin membership and get all my exclusive episodes as well. It's almost a little more bang for your buck in that regard because you get the whole channel. But you don't get my little private perks that the patrons will. So consider it. I think I've got some pretty amazing stuff coming and I'd hate for anyone to miss it. But I also can't really put a lot of this stuff on YouTube. This episode is actually borderline iffy, but I think it's safe. I think it's all right. And I want to get this one out there. I want everyone to see this. So let's hope that this starts a conversation. Because my one of my goals here is i take a thing like hey saturday morning cartoons go it's kind of what i love to do
1: but i'm also it's it's a painful process you know boo hoo it's not like that but
0: doing this is it's soul sucking energy for me to put this down and really think about it clearly and and get some thoughts that i want to put on and, and you know make it worth my time to start the camera it's a it's a process for me. I treat it like I treat it like a job. And if I didn't, I wouldn't I I wouldn't be doing it the way that I am. I love doing this. I hope that you see that. And I thank you for your support so much. And I hope to see you soon. I am still indeed a bass guitar instructor, also just straight music theory, no instrument required. I can teach you how music works. I've been teaching for a long time. I also started my Bass Player University, which also has its own separate mailing list. All the links are available at the Third Eye Edify website. So please do find me there. And thank you for hanging out with me on this one. This was um, slightly off the beaten path for me, and I think that's what was refreshing about it. This This year so far has been very interesting, and oh man, I'm just getting started. I've got some pretty crazy interviews lined up with people you've probably never heard of that... I hope after the fact, you'll see why I brought them on the show. And I have a first of its kind, kind of a super episode coming up with a number of guests all at once to talk about what I think is one of the most important topics that is starting to lose its prominence in our little sect of information here. So stay tuned for that. And
1: I can't wait for the next one. I'll see you guys real soon. Thank you so much.